Everybody and welcome to Get Ready to Get Shrekt episode get four. Yes, Get Shrekt. Absolutely, episode four. We're doing scene four today. My name is Brayden. My name is Nikki. Oh my gosh, Nicole, we're back. You know, the first time through we did this, we did two episodes, and now we're on the second episode of after our our, our long break. So mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we can get just keep this train of moving. You know, hopefully we can just yeah. keep pushing forward. But Nicole, I do I do have a question for you before uh, before we get started. Um, I've got an, I've got an answer for you. Okay, so it, it requires a little bit of an introduction. So okay, we we both live in Ohio, right? So we're very used. Unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, we're both very used to a, a lot of snow, right? Just kind of just these bursts of snow flurries. Sometimes they stay for a couple of days. Sometimes yeah. they it comes for an hour, and then by like mid afternoon, like early evening it's gone kind of just depends on how the weather's feeling right 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 so ohio got ohio got some snow a couple weeks ago and i was i was out and about and i saw um saw some kids like building a snowman and i was like oh that's really nice um nicole when you when you think of uh how a snowman is built what are what are your what are the key components of a snowman and from your perspective butt torso head okay all right i mean sure sure makes sense that's it like those three are like anything beyond that i think is truly decoration Mm -hmm. okay okay so then what are like for decoration then what Mm -hmm. what are in in your mind if you if you're picturing a snowman in your mind yeah what are what are the decoration elements so we've got two sticks Mm. those are your arms Mm -hmm. right and they're sticking in the torso part of the butt, torso, head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you've got either rocks or, you know, if you're going to go old school, like coal. Okay, okay. Which is making, uh, you have at least like five or six of those because you got two eyes and then the rest make up that smile. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean, a carrot, a carrot nose. Okay, so here's my problem, Nicole, all right? Okay. And I'm going to get up on my soapbox here, all right? <laughs> I want you, who, who is the f- most famous snowman of all time? Frosty. Frosty. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, no doubt when you think of a snowman, you think, oh, Frosty, the snowman, you think of that, right. you know, age old song. Uh, what does Frosty not have that most regular snowmen have? I know where you're, yeah, no, he has a button nose. He has a button <laughs> nose. So what, where in the world did people get the idea to put a carrot <laughs> in a snowman? They'd be like, you know what? That's the nose. When the most famous snowman of all has a button for a nose. I, I couldn't tell you. Ugh. Gosh. You're right, though. You're completely right. I was thinking about that the other day. We were out to dinner with my mom. And I was just like, I, 
I was like, I was baffled. I was like, no, nobody could give me a straight answer. And they were like, Brayden, we don't, we don't know. But they were like, also, Brayden, you may need to, may need to quiet down. The whole restaurant is looking at you very strangely. <laughs> this just as, just this person with long hair with pasta in his mouth, <laughs> complaining about the the construction of snowmen. But yeah. Anyways, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, anyways, hello, everybody. Again, welcome to Get Shrek, episode four, scene four. Um, Nicole, just like last week, mm-hmm. we have a pretty big we have a pretty big scene in front of us today. Yes, we do. We're meeting a, a lot of new characters. We're meeting. I mean, at for like literally from the first time he steps on screen. We meet the the BBEG of the movie, the big bad evil guy, Mr. Lord Farquaad himself. I yeah. mean, what what an absolute powerhouse, but Absolutely. also what a tease uh, when <laughs> when they first introduced Lord Farquaad to us. Like this yeah. this very like big like seemingly big powerful dude with this like sharp mm-hmm. jawline this like really nice like five o'clock shadow going on yeah. and then he is well they're they're using i what i love about this introduction here is as he's walking down the hall we're using camera angles to our advantage to mm-hmm. learn about farquad yep. so we are seeing his feet first, only his feet. And mm-hmm. we're shooting kind of like down at it. So we're not getting like a, a completely accurate guess of like how tall his legs are, right? Because we're shooting down on it. And mm-hmm. then immediately after we're shooting up at Thelonious. Um, and so mm. it's showing us a towering figure making us make that connection mm-hmm. in our brains that we're about to see another towering figure, yep. right? And then, and then he yep, exactly. comes up to those guards waiting by the door, and it's forced perspective. He's in front, he's in the foreground, and immediately he is the tall mm-hmm. one. And it isn't until he walks and the camera stays yep. that we finally see his true height. <laughs> that that we get that we get that reveal. We get that yeah. we get that short king reveal, which uh, you know very. Um, you know, I think. <laughs> Short Lord, short Lord. You're right. You're right. My apologies. My apologies. But very, um, I mean, come on. If there was any one person that was the definition of a Napoleon complex (laughs) other than Napoleon himself, (laughs) it is absolutely Lord Farquaad, right? Which Lord Farquaad uh, voiced of course, by the legendary uh, John Lithgow. Um, uh, just a quick, super quick rundown because uh, dude has a resume that just covers entire oh, pages. It's huge. Um, yeah. Six Emmy Awards, two Golden Globes, three Screen Actors Guilds, two Tonys as well. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, just just an incredible, incredible actor as well. I I honestly don't think they could have gotten a better person uh, for Lord Farquaad. Um, Yeah, he's from Pitch Perfect 3. Like, Pitch Perfect 3, Brayden, the pinnacle of his career. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Pitch Perfect. Wow, (laughs) definitely defines a... a, generation mm-hmm. sure uh anyways uh so a little a little fun fact about uh john lithgow uh 
he actually spent a lot of time in, in Ohio, uh, I found out. Why? Yeah, uh, so his, um, uh, the the job that his dad uh, dad did like required them to like move around a lot. So mm-hmm. he actually spent a lot of time in, in Yellow Springs, which is uh, down in the, down in the Dayton area. Uh, he spent, and then also he spent a lot of time in Akron and in Lakewood. Oh, that's in yeah. my backyard. Literally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. So I uh, spent a lot of his youth uh, in Ohio, uh, which I thought was really interesting, mm-hmm. us being two, uh, you know, born and bred Ohioans ourselves. Yeah. Um, I thought that was super interesting to see to see that he spent some time here. But no, I, I, I think really John Lithgow is just in, just embodies Lord Farquaad in mm-hmm. and of itself. And honestly, I, I, I really do believe the only person to ever kind of like come close to that is, you know, is the original Farquaad on um on uh, in Shrek the musical that yeah. was on Broadway, who just uh, again just another another astounding performer. But mm-hmm. those those two together were an absolute powerhouse, and yeah. it's so it's so nice to see. Like I, I, again, like this is this is our big big evil guy of the movie, but at the same time, it's like oh god, just watching this performance, you know, is just mm-hmm. is just incredible. And like the the best part, I think, is that John himself is tall Mm, right mm -hmm, so like being able to fit into that insecurity that you know some Mm -hmm. people get when height is in play yeah um so seamlessly talent yeah talent absolutely absolutely um, when we we haven't seen the outside of uh, Farquaad's castle yet but we have actually seen a lot of the inside and Mm -hmm. I was reading up and it the animators specifically like to give it that evil feeling they you know they made um they made sure that the, the castle itself had all of these really sharp angles right so they didn't want they didn't want the castle to have any curves or bends in it just to kind of you know almost enhance that evil nature of uh of farquad which i think is i i again it's another uh, testament to all of the uh, all the animators that worked on this and um yeah it's uh, i don't know farquad in and of itself is just such a good villain yeah i think um has a really good uh has a really good storyline uh which we don't see a whole lot of in the uh, in the movie but in the broadway musical there is kind of a you know, there is a little oh, bit yeah. more extra that we get to yeah. see, right? We get to learn a little bit more about, which, you know, eventually I think we can talk about that um, once we once we get further and mm-hmm. further into the scenes, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, a, a really cool thing that we're seeing as Farquaad walks in is we're still playing with camera angles again. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the reveal is gone. So, like, sure. we're, we're not hiding his height anymore. But we get such a high point of view. Like, we are looking down mm-hmm. at this scene for a, quite a lot of it. Um, and then, obviously, into the interrogation part of it, we're playing with that um, perspective again. Right. All of it is to remind us that despite this man's height, he is dangerous. Yes. This this man is extremely powerful, um, mm. especially when he... When he has Stallonius, uh, when he walks up to the table to see uh, Gingy, a.k.a. the gingerbread man, which we'll 
mm-hmm. talk about here in a second. But walking up to walking up to Genji, that table basically being at his high level, and then mm-hmm. just basically like com- uh, you know commanding Thelonious to lower that table. Yeah, for him, you know, obviously a short gag, right? But also just just showing us this this man's power and, and his adaptability too. Yeah. Like he he has learned how to best torture people. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> and absolutely, it doesn't necessarily mean him raising a finger. No, nope. you know. Um, and I think one of my favorite things about that that specific idea is you know he's learned how to specifically torture someone specifically get into their mind and get them and find their fear and exploit it right Mm -hmm. and we see that with the table originally so we we see kitchen utensils Mm. lying about the table as the torture items right those are the torture instruments so essentially he's saying you know like we're you were made once I can unmake you. Like that's what he's saying with these kitchen utensils. He has knives and swords hanging on, on the walls around him. Yep. He could easily use one of those easily, but they didn't. Nope. It was so specific. It's terrifying. Yeah. Lord Farquaad may be, um, short, but he is absolutely a villain. Yeah. And there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Absolutely. And you know, he even, uh, I feel like he even goes for like the worst torture device because like mm-hmm. you, like you said, he has these kitchen utensils, he has knives and forks and, you know, showing that he can physically break the gingerbread man with mm-hmm. no issue whatsoever. However, that glass of milk, mm-hmm. that glass of milk that would practically disintegrate the gingerbread mm-hmm. man and make it slow and painful to just have your, just have your body just, you know, almost melt and crumble away right before your eyes. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Oh gosh. Just, he's a bad guy. He's, he's a bad guy. He's a bad he's, guy. He's a <laughs> super bad guy. I was just going to say, I don't know. I, I don't know if you knew this, Mm-hmm. Or if you remember it, because <laughs> I remember it, but it feels like a fever dream. At one point, Gingy was the mascot for Walmart. For Walmart. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, yes, I I do remember that. I do remember those commercials as a kid. I mm-hmm. why I don't. It it doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. I think, you know, it doesn't make sense to me, but it really does stand as like a testament to how widespread and loved Shrek was. No, absolutely. A hundred percent. Adults, kids alike, like everyone. Yeah, of course. Um, And then obviously Gingy, uh, the gingerbread man, uh, was voiced by uh, Conrad Vernon, um, another incredible voice actor. um, Mm -hmm. A uh, couple, a uh, couple of their uh, credits. Uh, they were in uh, the most recent uh, animated adaptation of the Adams Family. Um, oh, they cool. did Sausage Party, which uh, oh, I, th- no. I think everybody remembers that. Um, oh no! If if you don't, uh, you know, don't watch it. Well, watch it, and then about twenty minutes until the end, stop 
and then don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop like 20 minutes before it's supposed to end, and then you're cool. Um, but also, Madagascar and Boss Baby. Um, so obviously, he has done a lot of stuff with DreamWorks as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a, a lot of the voice actors that have appeared in uh, the Shrek films so far have, have gone on to do more things with DreamWorks. Um, honestly, though, I, you know, we talked about, we talked about great, uh, and iconic lines, uh, in the last, in the last scene. And I feel like Mm -hmm. every scene, we're just getting more and more and just more iconic and more repeatable lines, uh, with, especially with Jinji saying, you're a monster. Just so good. And then when they talk about, (laughs) they talk about the muffin man, like just that whole, that whole back and forth between Jinji and Farquaad is just, I, yeah, I just want to give like a huge shout out. Cause like, Clearly, the the writers of Shrek are listening to our podcast. Uh, I know this. Yes, um, they are. Yeah. But I'm just, <laughs> I want to give a huge shout out to the fact that they took a fucking nursery rhyme, mm. like a, 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 and turned it into an interrogation. Yeah. Without changing the words, literally, like true. They they literally just split it in a certain way, mm-hmm. and gave it to certain characters with certain power dynamics. Yep. And it became threatening yeah absolutely i and that that's just really cool no writing it, it, and really it is cool ideas you know it's so it's so smart it's almost shakespearean in a way um yeah you know which i don't throw around that term lightly because i mean why would you i guess right. <laughs> why i don't know right. i don't know where i was going with that thought but it just wow it, it, that's like super shakespearean you know, of you. yeah thank you um <laughs> No, I think it's I think it's so interesting and so yes, I you have to give it up to the writers for for everything they put in because mm-hmm. I, I I do have a quick question for you though. Did you did you always think it was Drury Lane that the Muffin Man lived on? Oh my god, I don't, I'm not sure I've ever like thought about it. Hold on, okay, Drury. I think Drury. Okay, so like er. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I so when I was growing up, I have I, I have this vivid memory of for some reason, and I don't know where I heard it from, I don't know how I got it, but for some reason I always thought it was saying Mulberry Lane and not Drury Lane. That's a Dr. Seuss book. Is it really? Yeah. Am I getting that okay. I guess I'm I think so. It's like uh the something on Mulberry Lane. Hold on. Okay. So maybe well, that's I'm Googling this right now. No, 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 for sure. Yeah, because for some reason, whenever I think of the Muffin Man, like Nursery Rhyme, who lives on Mulberry Lane, I don't know why that just always <laughs> it like I have that like vividly in my head. Like, oh, yeah, that's how that goes. And then Farquaad says Drury Lane. And I'm like, oh, but that's also right. Yeah. And to think I saw that on Mulberry Street oh, technically okay. is what the Dr. Seuss book is. Oh, but okay. it's actually uh, the very first children's book ever written Whoa, by Dr. Seuss. Okay, incredible. Just a little, I guess just a little <laughs> Mandela effect happening on me there. Yeah, there's there's your uh, Theodore Geisel uh, trivia for the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but as we, you know, as we move on to the scene, you know, uh, you know, Again, showing Farquaad's uh, almost, you know, I mean, not almost, definitely his sadistic side uh, starting to. He's torturing this cookie with their torn off legs. Yeah, their torn off legs, you know, (laughs) threatening to tear off the gumdrop buttons. Um, 
Oh, I did. I, I don't know if you caught this. There is a continuity error. Uh, mm-hmm. He so Farquaad does tear off Jinji's legs and he throws them back on the table. And then when we see that like wide shot of the table, the legs are just gone. <laughs> they're just they're just not there. Yeah. Listen, the animators had enough to deal with. Oh, okay? my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they had so much to do. I mean, obviously, <laughs> very, very much willing to overlook o- overlook yeah. that. Um, yeah. But, you know, once uh, once we do have that sort of uh, back and forth about with the Muffin Man nursery rhyme, mm-hmm. uh, we do get uh, the head of the guard coming in, uh, who yeah. is actually. Well, oh, go ahead. If you don't mind, mm-hmm. I would love to say one last thing about that. That little bit exchange between Farquaad oh my gosh. and Jinji. Yeah, absolutely. We we learn why. At least as far as it kind of goes for the movie. And we mentioned, you know, both you and I know and we talked about it a little earlier. The musical does go a little bit deeper into why but for the movie we learn um what farquad's um i guess you know the the insecurity is and why fairy tale creatures bug him so much yes and he calls them a stain on his perfect world yep and i mean truly that this guy he sees imperfect like imperfections Mm -hmm. as weakness yeah and the fact that these, I mean, Gingy would, but um, everyone else doesn't fit into this cookie cutter world mm-hmm. that uh, he's created, like these fairy tale creatures, that's why. Like, that's where this hatred comes from in the movie version. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I, yeah, it's, you know, I think that, and I, I think that's a trope that, is used in a lot of film and a lot of media, right? Especially with, and you know, obviously it derives itself from, from historical context, right? I mean, we could, we could go on and on about all these figures in history that have like tried to correct quote unquote imperfections in this world. Right. But I think that, and I think that it just, one, it is, it, it is a very widely used sort of trope but at the same time, it's just, it's effective, right? Mm-hmm. Because we all, yeah. you know, we all like grew up kind of like reading these stories about people trying to create a perfect world. And then obviously someone is, it, that's never going to happen. There is no yeah. such thing as a perfect world. Um, but especially when you're trying to make a perfect world and take um, people out of it that, do not fit in your quote unquote standards, it, it resonates. Right. And, and I, yeah. and I think that's the main thing is that we, we realize from the get go that Farquaad is not a good guy and this further solidifies it mm-hmm. that, and we're truly seeing like this, this idea of, you know, they are not fitting into my perfect world. They're imperfect, but they themselves are also imperfect. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's where that stems from. And it's just, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's poignant. Everyone can think of several examples off the top of their head of people like that through history or even in their own lives, you know? Exactly. And so that's what makes Farquaad such a threatening and realistic villain. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but as we, you know, as we do move on, uh, we do get introduced, uh, to another, uh, we'll say minor character. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we get the head of the guard coming in, uh, proclaiming that to Farquaad that they, they found the item that Farquaad was looking for. Uh, the head of the guard was actually voiced by, uh, Jim Cummings. 
who mm-hmm. also was actually born in Youngstown, Ohio. So another another Ohio Ohioan uh, representation. Woo woo! Um, definitely another prolific voice actor. So 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 many credits. Um, yeah. Couple that I wrote down were uh, he voices Pete and Mickey Mouse. Uh, has done has been doing that for years and years. Uh, has voiced uh, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger as well. Um, and has done so throughout uh, television shows and movies mm-hmm. and video games. Like, oh my gosh, video games on video games this guy has yeah. voiced in. Like, insanity. <laughs> like, just so many. Um, yeah. Which I found really, really interesting. Um, He's also the singing voice of Mufasa, or not Mufasa, but um, Scar, right? Oh, you know what? I think I think he's the singing voice of Scar and Rasputin in Anastasia. If I'm not, you know what? Uh, I, mistaken. I, I think you are right. I because he does. He's not the the character voice, just the singing voice. Yeah, let's I think. let's see the singing. Let's see Jim Cummins singing role is gonna. I'm gonna uh, uh, look it up right now. Let's see. Uh, yeah uh yeah so gregory rasputin and anastasia um russell means and pocahontas Uh, oh i didn't know that one yeah um i'm not i'm not seeing scar here i i very well could be mistaken there but yeah but i but you you were right on the anastasia yeah he did double as the as a singing voice for rasputin and anastasia um Nice catch, nice catch, Nicole. I didn't even, I didn't even catch that. So smart. You're so smart, Other Tuttle. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you. Look at your, look at you doing your research. I love, I love you for that. <laughs> that, listen, that's not even research. That's just the fact that, um, I've watched that movie so much that I recognize, I remember mm. the name from the, uh, from <laughs> the, the credits. credits. Yeah. Very good. Very good. That's fair. Okay. So, so it is, it's Jeremy. Uh, Irons, who does the voice of Scar, but Jim Cummings and Jeremy Irons share some of the singing of Be Prepared. Oh, okay. Um, specifically notes that Jeremy couldn't hit, mm. Jim Cummings sings. Okay, uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Huh. But yeah, Jim Cummings. Jim, everywhere. Ev- Incredible. Literally everywhere. What a what a powerhouse of a performer. Um, But they do. But he has a present. He has a present. It's Mm -hmm. all, it's all kind of like not wrapped up, but they have this like really nice drape over it. And, you know, the reveal happens and magic mirror, baby, just another magic magic mirror on the wall. Isn't this the best podcast of them all? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) Uh, We, yes, we are introduced to the magic mirror. Mm-hmm. who is uh, voiced by Chris Miller. Uh, Chris Miller actually uh, started off as a storyboard artist for DreamWorks. Uh, which Love that for him. I know, right? Just the, DreamWorks is just like, all right, we need somebody to do this voice. Um, Chris, are you... Chris, did you do your stuff? Did you do your stuff for the day? <laughs> you did? Yeah, can you can you hop in the booth? You want to come be a mirror? Can, can you come hop in the booth for us real quick? We're gonna, we gotta record some lines. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, did start off as a storyboard artist for DreamWorks, uh, which then led him to, uh, become, uh, a director for, uh, Shrek 3 and as well as the, the 2011 Puss in Boots movie, um, you know, continue, obviously continuing his, uh, relationship with, with DreamWorks, um, 
as most as mm-hmm. most people do apparently they just they just keep it all in the family <laughs> yeah they, i mean you can't say that dreamworks doesn't ca- take care of their own because clearly yeah absolutely um gotta you know gotta keep gotta keep them employed yeah. gotta <laughs> gotta keep them working <laughs> yes and so we get our mirror and we kind of we get that first you know the the callback to you know mirror mirror on the wall we get that um and then we get to another root of Farquaad's insecurities. Mm-hmm. He's like, isn't this the best kingdom? And the mirror's just like, it's not a kingdom because you're not a king. Yep. And right there, boom. We know the the plot of the rest of the movie. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Try, he's trying to find, trying to find a princess who will then he will then marry mm-hmm. so that he can become queen king. He'll have a queen and his kingdom will be complete. Also a little, a little sass from the mirror. Definitely, definitely some oh, sass yeah. and it's not a kingdom yet. And then, <laughs> and then him having Thelonious literally punch a handheld mirror to be like, do you want to, you want to try that? It again? just goes you right wanna... back to like the personalized torture method. Like Ex- yeah, a spatula <laughs> wouldn't have worked for the mirror. You know, and and nope, punching a mirror nope. wouldn't have worked for Gingy. It's special. Nope, it's just absolutely. for you. <laughs> yes, it's just for you. I know how to. I know how to break you down yeah. and tear you yeah. down. Um, but we then uh, we do play a little game, oh, right? Yeah. We have a little have a little fun. Uh, uh, almost. Um, what was that old? There was an old dating show that this is. Uh, that this it is. is definitely parodying. Um, it is. Um, is it the dating game? Is that what it's called? I think. I think it's the dating game. I think that sounds right. Uh, you know, but yeah, like the whole contestant you know. number one, contestant number two. Yeah, exactly. It's the dating yeah. game. The dating game. Okay, there it is. Um, but yeah, so we 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 see our three contestants. The the you know lovely. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this slowly, Nicole, because I've always had a problem with this word, and it's it's always very hard for me to pronounce this word for some reason. But we see these three bachelorettes. Good job. There you it is. It. You did it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We see that we see these three uh, very again, two of them, at least two of them, very familiar, mm-hmm. fairy, uh, fairy tale uh, princesses and characters. Uh, our first one is Cinderella, yep. who is described as having a hobby of cleaning for and cooking for her evil stepsisters <laughs> I don't I don't think that's a I hobby. don't know if you I don't know if you could consider that a hobby yeah. when they basically force her to do yeah. it. And then we have Snow White, who is literally just back at Shrek Swamp. Like, yeah, the movie would have been she, over if, if Farquaad chose her like immediately. Yeah, you know, you know where she is. Yeah. Like you you sent her there. Yeah, <laughs> he literally sent her there. Yeah. Uh, and. I think that's another big point is like he's going after women who are from the fairy tale creature realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and two of them, Cinderella and Snow White in their pictures are depicted as well into their fairy tale. Because yep. in Cinderella's picture, she's already putting on the glass slipper. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and in Snow White's picture, she's in the glass case. You know, she's in Tupperware. Yep. 
Um, yep, she's already, <laughs> she's in Tupperware. <laughs> and so, like, we're already seeing these princesses that are, like, well into, like, they've met their princes at this point. So the fact that Farquaad is thinking, like, even the option of stealing these princesses from those princes, like, just goes to show how badass he is, you know? Yeah, he, do, take, he does take, not care. Like, zero shits yeah yep does not care will steal your princess yeah. so be careful hide your kids hide your wife hide your princess <laughs> because of farquaad, farquaad is coming is for coming. you <laughs> farquaad is coming for you uh but then we do finally meet our third princess who is our other our kind of our last um i would say quote main character of of the story mm. um we meet princess Fiona, which we will talk about later yeah. once we actually are introduced to Princess Fiona. Um, but yeah, we, we just d- get we the sp- elevator pitch this time. We, we do. We do get the elevator pitch, uh, which very quick elevator pitch, which the magic mirror then tries to continue the elevator pitch. But Farquaad is just not having it. He's, He's like, absolutely up. not. He's like, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm done. You yeah. can stop talking like I've already made my decision. I'm done with you. Finished with you. Yeah. Um, but like magic mirror, maybe that's something you say before you have him pick one. I don't know. Like that's yeah. The the order could have been better. Magic mirror. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I don't know if the ma- I wonder if the magic mirror kind of look works like a magic eight ball, maybe. where it's just like you know you shake it and you just get the answer. Yeah. And then you shake it again, you get another answer. That's fair. And then the you know the magic mirror is just like okay, I'm programmed to give you the baseline information. Yeah. Right. If you ask for more, I'll give you more. And then once I give you that baseline information, then I will mm-hmm. tell you any other, you know, subsequent knowledge that maybe you should know. Yeah. Um, which maybe if Farquaad was a little bit better of a listener, <laughs> he would have he would have found out. Yeah. And maybe, like you said, he would have picked Snow White and then the movie would have been over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I so in it in the moment where like the Thelonious is like three pick number three and he's holding up a two, which yeah. love him. Love You don't need to be smart to be a torture genius. Um, no, you don't. But, uh, <laughs> they pull back and we get like a full body shot of him for the first time. And he mm-hmm. is in a straight up like speedo jumpsuit. A la like <laughs> yes, Richard yes. Simmons. <laughs> So like, could good. you imagine being tortured and you look over and he's wearing that like bulge on full display, by the way, like, could you imagine? Well, that's part of your torture. That is the, t- you're that, right. That, that's you're part right. of your torture. You have to, you have to look at Thelonious and people have to look at Thelonious and be like, man, what, how did, how did I get here? Yeah. I mean, luckily did- for us, he's wearing tights underneath it, but right. it's, st- Absolutely. it's still just a jumpsuit. Like, oh, no, he's <laughs> definitely, he's got the Superman underwear yeah, on for 100%. sure. <laughs> um, and then, you know, why, why not end off this scene with another musical reference yeah. of <laughs> Escape, the Pina Colada song uh, by Rupert Holmes. Uh, personally, one of my favorite party songs. It's a good one. I, I love this song. I mean, when you listen to the lyrics, wow, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, song about. But I think it's a foreshadowing. I think it is. 100%. It's a song about cheating. Oh, shut up, and, Nicole. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't. Yes. And think about I it. I didn't register like, that. Time, she's on her way to him, on her way to Farquaad, but she's falling in love with someone else at the same time. Shut up. You're so right. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Mm. You know what? 
Nicole, I'm going to say it one more time, Nicole. You're so dang smart. <laughs> You're so dang smart. I oh, couldn't have, we, we couldn't have chose. I mean, I mean, obviously we've known each other for a very long time and you know, this podcast was just going to, mm-hmm. uh, this podcast was eventually going to happen between the two of us. And I, you know what? I don't think I, I wouldn't want to no. do this podcast with anybody else, honestly. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I think, I think that wraps up scene four. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't have any more notes and that's, that's, that's it folks. You know, we met, we met our BBEG. We met our, our, our last main character, which we'll talk about more when we, uh, when we get to that, when we get to like her actual introduction scene and, um, yeah. And I'm thoroughly afraid. Thoroughly. Thoroughly. Farquaad is is he, scary, and uh, they did a they great did, job. Oh, they did an amazing job, yeah. as always. You know, we got to got to give props to the the writers and the animators, and mm-hmm. the, obviously the voice actors um, yeah. that just make this movie such just a fun experience, just to watch. You know, it's yeah. just so it's so good. But oh man, well, uh, we only have like. A couple seconds left in our episode, but I have one question for you. What is it, Nicole? Let me hear it. Which contestant will it be, Brayden? One, two, or three? Oh, no! Oh, man. I mean, you know, not not to spoil the movie, which, obviously, if you haven't seen this movie already, what are you doing? But <laughs> Come like, on, guys. <laughs> it's 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 Fiona all the way. Like, there's Good. no there's no other option. Good. There's no other op- It's always It's always Fiona. It's always, it's always her. It will always be. It'll, it'll always be Fiona. (laughs) Well, on that gloriously sentimental note, (laughs) I've been Nikki. And I've been Brayden. And this was Get Ready to Get Shrek. Get out there and get your Shrek on, everybody. (laughs) See you next time. I'm walking the boat, go, boat, go. (laughs) 